Welcome to Investing Insights, partnered by Right Property Group. This is your host, Phil Tarrant. Good day, everyone. It's Phil Tarrant here. Thanks for joining us for our monthly education series, Investing Insights with uh, Right Property Group. For those of you who are new to this podcast, it's a uh, it's a monthly initiative that we do in conjunction with our friends at the Right Property Group, and I've got their two directors in the studio, Steve Waters and Victor Kumar. How are you going, guys? Yeah, well, mate. Yourself? Good. It's been an interesting couple of weeks in the world of uh, property investing and mortgages. If you haven't been aware or you haven't been keeping up with the news, uh, APRA is sort of making some noise at the moment around uh, mortgage lending, particularly high LVR stuff and interest-only stuff, and uh, that's having an impact on um, on investors. Um for uh, those of you who sort of follow the growth of my property portfolio, you'll know that uh, the Right Property Group uh, work closely with me as my buyers and agents to find me the best properties that suit my needs, uh, my portfolio growth over the years. And uh, this podcast very much way in which we can step away from a lot of the stuff that we do on the Smart Property Investment Show, where we talk to investors and we can actually get down into the down and dirty into the strategy of investing in property and the many and myriad tips, traps tricks that you can find along the way. So what I wanted to do today, uh, considering some of the noise coming out of APRA and overall noise, particularly as we come up to the federal budget soon uh, around trying to make housing more affordable, is have a chat with the guys and just really get their insights on the market as it is right now. But importantly, and something which I know is a very uh, highly connected to the way these guys invest and advise is around responsible investing. And by responsible investing, I mean being responsible for your own investment strategy, being responsible for your own investment results, being responsible for your own financing. And I find that a lot of investors are quick to blame other people if things aren't working out for them. And my position on this is that uh, you can have the best advisors in the world, but you need to be able to put your hands up and make your own decisions and be confident and comfortable in your own decision making. So I preface that with what APRA is saying right now. And Steve, you've had a good look at some of the uh, communication coming out of APRA. Uh, yep. In particular, um, they put out a, uh, a bit of an open letter to ADI. So an ADI is in an authorised deposit-taking institution, which means they have savings accounts, really, where they're trying to get the banks to curb lending to investors. And the purpose of that is to hopefully take a little bit of heat out of the market. And we talk about the market right now, and um, uh, if you've been keeping connected with what's going on in property markets, uh, the Australian economy, there's a lot of noise around the rampant growth of Australia's property markets. And I think a lot of people get confused thinking that property is firing all over the place in Australia and everyone's becoming a bazillionaire out of property in Australia right now. But um, when you look a lot closer, uh, some markets are performing quite well. And you look at Sydney, keeps its sort of ongoing growth. But there's a lot of other markets in Australia right now which are hurting. Well, there is. And I think there in itself is the problem. So people are tending to benchmark every single one of their potential results in every other state or suburb against Sydney and Melbourne because realistically there is really only two markets that are outperforming the average and that is Sydney and Melbourne. There are markets on the West Coast such as Perth that is you know, rapidly decreasing, Northern Territory, uh, Adelaide's steady, Canberra's going all right or the ACT's going all right. Um, yeah, not every market is Brisbane and Melbourne and with these recent APRA changes which in my opinion are long overdue be it all that I'm not sure if every single one of the potential changes are the right way to go but you know, they, they will deem to think so mm. I, I think they're long overdue we do, we do need a change we need some steadiness within the market and that all starts with around the lending and we've been investing with you guys for quite some time um, and I remember from very early days when I was a a young investor looking to uh, to build a portfolio and building a portfolio quickly, you guys were always conscious of um, 
making sure I applied my own brakes along the way. So mm. uh, I was quite bullish initially and um, you know, wanted to move quite fast. But um, you guys were were pretty influential in shaping my view towards growing a, a responsible portfolio where I wanted to go hard really quickly. And you were like, well, you need to slow down, find your feet, get your confidence, understand yeah. the markets, understand the game. And, and Victor, this is something, you know, you, you, you must have hundreds, if not thousands of clients over the years. Do you find that most investors come into the market if they're new to it? really bullish and, and, and want to be rich overnight through property investment. I, and I wasn't that person. Yep. I always knew it. But there's a lot of people with, with a very different paradigm about what property investment is going to do for them. And uh, not everyone wins in property investment, do they? No, they don't. And and uh, to go back to your comment, uh, Phil, that uh, you know you started as a young investor, man. You, you've graced, you know, you've aged gracefully. I have, haven't years, I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no stress portfolio. Yeah, no, right? no stress portfolio. Yeah, and, and, yeah that's right. So there's, there's the portfolio is not I'm like a, like a fine stress. wine, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Moldy, moldy. <laughs> Most people, when they start investing or they look at investing, they they are ins- usually inspired by a, a um, you know good result story, uh, especially now with with um, the advent of social media, and they try and emulate you know that quick result. But what they don't see is behind the scenes uh, what has happened. Uh, there's, there would have been education behind the scenes. There would have been some mistakes behind the scenes that people don't uh, talk about openly. And, and, and as, as you know, Steve and I really openly talk about our mistakes. And they try and get onto a running start without addressing the fundamentals. And the fundamentals of property investing is really simple. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. And so you need to take into account changes in terms of interest rates, changes in terms of life events, employment, and all those sort of things. Uh, and and Ford predict that when you when you are investing in property, so that you're not ending up trying to play catch up in a market that's rapidly moving. So a lot of people are jumping into Sydney as a, as an example right now, where the yields are rapidly diminishing, the prices are still on an upward trajectory, and it it'll, it will become unaffordable uh, as soon as uh, you have one or two interest rate rises. So people people come in with with dollar signs in their eyes and, and thinking that it will all pan out, we'll find a way of holding onto the property or uh, they don't even address the negative side of investing uh, and only address the positive side and, and think that everything will pan out. And that's when they get caught out. So we have, with every property cycle, we have measures put in place, whether it is um, by uh, the government, whether it is by the lenders themselves. And, and sometimes they are to capitalize on, on the market itself and sometimes they are to uh, curb the market. So if you go back to the last cycle in, in, in New South Wales, we had those vendor tax mm, being yeah. brought in. yeah, uh, And that was a way of both capitalizing and curbing the market and curb the market it did. And with EPRA, they've started this so-called curbing the market since 2014. Mm. And, and it's been a long process. Now we're in 2017 now. Uh, and that uh, add, add, adding more and more measures in place to prevent, in my opinion, to prevent what happened in the last cycle where we start, ended up starting to see 106% loans back then as an LVR uh, on, a, on a single property. So it wasn't leaning against the equity of another property. Uh, and a lot of those people, when the interest rate started going up, uh, they, they paid the ultimate price in, in either losing their homes or losing their credit rating because they couldn't keep up with the repayments. When you're investing, you need to be responsible about it. You need to uh, understand that things won't be rosy all the time. I think you've hit the nail on the head, Vic. This is just history repeating itself with a few different tweaks to it, really, and, and it's all starting from a lending. So last cycle, we had 
the Lodoc loan. Mm-hmm. So That's it was right. how yep. much money do you want? Sign here, press hard. And there it is. This is a little bit the same being that money was pretty easy to get. Like over the last couple of years, we had the 95% loan, interest only, uh, plenty of 90s around. And I think for the banks to come out and say, look, you know, we're responsible lenders, and I'm not going to bash the banks, but for them to say, we're responsible lenders, we really want to be looking out for you. Well, the, for a lot of people, the horse is bolted. Like, yeah, they should have been doing this some time ago. All that aside, though, this isn't a doom and gloom scenario i think this is it's a necessary step uh from apra or from the from the banks uh it's a necessary step that will slow the markets down and and perhaps i suppose get rid of the peripheral investor that as you said earlier on the the speculative investor people that probably shouldn't be investing shouldn't be investing yeah Yeah, Yeah. their cash flow is too tight whatever it may be and they've got that whole fomo scenario where they just think well property's a flavor of month let's just jump in throw a dart, hit a, a map, and we'll buy there, as long as it's Sydney. And so these are the, the investors that are playing catch-up. You know, well, these are the ones that, yeah. In the net and then- yeah, and I think it also really ties in with this whole adage that property investing is a passive uh, investment vehicle, and it is the furthest thing from the truth. So if you're, if you're right up to speed with your portfolio and you're continually working on it, you'd be well aware that the lending changes are going to happen months ago. Um, you know, you would have been speaking to the right people in, and in that particular case, it'd be your broker uh, looking to adjust your rates, maybe even fixing some. So being involved in your in your own portfolio as opposed to just sitting back and saying, well, look, time will take care of itself. I've just, I just know it's going to go up and not look after the fundamental, which is cash flow, which is what it's all about with lending. Yeah, and so if we explore that a bit more, Steve, um, a, a good portfolio is adjusted to the market conditions and also, also, f- also forward predicting what's going to happen in the market, not necessarily in terms of where the economy is going to be uh, or, or where the property prices are going to be, but what's going to happen in your life and also things like the APRA changes. So it may be that you actually stop buying that particular type of property that's going to add more and more negative cash flow to your portfolio and, and readjust the portfolio, bring forward uh, a few constructions or subdivisions if, if those are the types of properties you've tucked away in the last cycle in your portfolio to then make yourself more attractive to the bank and also make yourself a bit more immune to what's going to happen in terms of lending changes. Let's have just a real quick look before we move on about what these these APRA recommendations are. And um, and Steve, you touched on one. It's around sort of, it's a cash flow situation, but serviceability assessments. So uh, I spoke with my broker the other day and, um, um, you know, money might be, Four percent right now, you can get it. But in terms of your ability to service a debt, yeah. lenders are looking at your serviceability at sort of seven percent on principal and interest as well, right? Yeah, Which correct. is really impacting the amount of money that investors can get. And I don't have too much of a problem with that. It just means that if you're going down this path, you've got a nice fat buffer. If your life that's circumstances right. yeah. change, yeah. responsible investing, that's sort of okay. What APRA is really trying to do is, and um, it's probably to take that peripheral uh, part of the market out, just curbing uh, interest-only lending from 40% of new lending to about 30% of new lending within banks or ADIs, uh, loan books. So that's really just curbing the number of loans they're putting out on an interest-only basis. Now, you need to remember also, a lot of people frame interest-only lending as only relevant to investors. Um, I think one of the, the key issues is that a lot of people have their principal place of residence as, interest as interest-only, yep. which doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, it depends if you're trying to ramp up a portfolio and drive hard, and obviously this is just general information. Some people might switch your interest only, but I think most uh, banks and APRA will be saying, well, you know, why do you really need to have interest only on your mm. principal place? So that's another thing as well. So they're trying to slow down interest only lending. They're also trying to slow down 
LVRs above 80%. So uh, anything between 80 and 100%, you obviously need to pay lender's mortgage insurance on, which ensures the lender in case you default. But um, APRA is pretty much going, is there a good justification why you're borrowing above 80%? So it means that you're putting 20% of the money in, the bank's putting 80% of the money. If you're putting 10% of the money in, the bank's putting 90% of the money in. Why is that the case? You know, how is that going to how is that going to influence your ability to service that debt? So these are just a handful of the uh, the recommendations APRA is putting in place. Obviously, a little while ago, they said that they wanted banks to limit their uh, lending to investors, the growth in their loan book under 10%. And most banks are adhere to that. But let's be frank, you know, when you look at the value of most of Australian banks, it's in their in their balance sheet. It's their mortgage book. Lenders, that's how they make their money, right? Lenders, right. Want, lenders want to lend money. Yeah. You know, that's what they do. They've got to deliver to shareholders. And you'll find that most lenders will redline that um, that 10% growth. It'll be 9.999%. You will see uh, lenders often sort of just putting in different conditions and clauses. If they're going too close to that line, they'll sort of slow down a bit. Uh, one major bank um, stopped doing, uh, I think it was top-ups on investor loans for a yep. period of mm-hmm. time. So there's a lot of mechanisms that banks can use to try and keep connected or adhere to these APRA requirements because the banks don't want additional oversight, but they'll play the game according to APRA. But my position on this is that what APRA is saying makes a lot of sense to me personally. Absolutely. It makes yep. a lot of sense. And if you're looking to borrow money and at 4%, you're struggling to pay your mortgage, you know, you probably you shouldn't, shouldn't be, be investing. Yeah. You probably shouldn't be investing. So these are the type of people that I think they're trying to take out of the market. And the idea is that without those people in the market, it's going to take a little bit of pressure on supply because there's not going to be more people buying properties and therefore it should hopefully slow down the market a little bit. But then again, you know, which is what about, we want. Which like, is what we want. Yeah, as as you know, inverted commas, sophisticated investors, we want this market to be steady. We don't want the peaks and troughs. It's and we certainly don't want Sydney, even though it's nice owning property in Sydney, to have the results. It does play with the subconscious and and really the averages at at the end of the day. But, but was, you guys see a lot of opportunity with less investors in the marketplace. You guys all the time. Thrive in that environment. Oh, we love yeah, it. Like yeah. you know, everyone go away. It'd be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not a fact of life. But just on on something about the on APRA and eighty percent LVR. Everything, like a lot of this is a little bit of smoke and mirrors from APRA and from the banks because most investors will draw an equity from the principal place of residence and let's say it is uh, 20%, effectively it's 100% borrowings across the portfolio. So although reading these statements and, and, and looking at them and comprehending them, it is still a little bit of smoke and mirrors via the banks at the end of the day. And I think bigger deposits and if it's genuine savings, that's a different story and that's not a bad thing at all. I think the biggest key here is the the cost of money so it's the rate the interest rate because mm. you're not going to lose your portfolio of a lack of equity or a or declining equity it'll always be about cash flow i was actually chatting with someone this morning about um mortgage lending and uh the rampant growth in in, in property price we had a clearance rate in uh, sydney last week in 80 plus percent right yeah with some properties going a couple of hundred thousand dollars over, over the reserve right and, and i said to said to this it was made of mine and i said for every hundred thousand dollars over that you might spend, right, at 4%, interest only, that's $4,000 a year. So if you spend another $100,000 over and above what you expected, mm. you only got to hold, it's only costing you $4,000 a year to hold that extra $100,000. Yeah. So, so this is one of the points, right? Money is cheap and therefore probably going, ah, it'll be right. It's only four grand, but if that property's going up in value at whatever, it's not an issue at all. The issue yeah. is, the issue is when money gets more expensive. That's right. Exactly, when it gets to 6% or whatever it may be, but the Reserve Bank's not, we're going to get into the whole 
economics um, debate, but the Reserve Bank's got a problem in terms of lifting rates. The economy's not that strong, jobs growth, what have you. So it's up to the banks, and that's one of their major levers, and then the levers will be passed on from the banks down to the investor. And, and once again, it's not a bad thing. We look forward to this. We've been saying it's going to happen for the last for years. Yeah, for the yeah. last couple of years. And for us, it's happy days. This is what we've been waiting for. So, so my, my thoughts around it, and we're coining this term responsible investing, um, a lot of people frame responsible investing by what the rules are and what they can get away with. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and my thought of this is that it should be the other way. You should be setting your own rules. And obviously, there is a parameters from which you can invest and the banks will set policy yeah. so to, to, to influence how much you can borrow but you shouldn't be investing you shouldn't be borrowing as much as you possibly can because the bank's willing to give it to you you Correct. should be investing within your means based on a strategy of what you want to achieve over time and i think this is you know this is horse Starting, and cart or yep. chicken yeah. and egg mm. or whatever Absol- analogy you yeah, want to use absolutely and so one of those things is to be liquid liquid all the time have your buffers in place because you're a stronger applicant mm-hmm. to the banks and and that's at the end of the day it's all about risk for them so the less risky you are, the better the applicant you are, and you know, potentially if you follow that all the way through, you'll get the money, whereas others won't. So Victor, let's stick on this term, responsible. Being a responsible investor. So if there were three or four things to be a responsible investor that you should be framing your goal setting, framing your portfolio growth, framing your strategy around, what would be those things? First and foremost is don't try and play catch up. Don't, don't try and compete with someone else who's got two more properties than you or just bought a property and you both started together you've got different set of circumstances you've got different you know things happening in life so that's the first and foremost thing that you need to look at the second thing is that at the end of the day just like steve said it, it comes back to cash flow yeah if you're able to afford to hold onto the portfolio that's what would be the key thing in terms of building the portfolio so you would potentially buy properties where you can add that extra cash flow um, or by you know doing a subdivision or a granny flat or a, a, a greater renovation to further capitalize on the on the increased rentals. If you've got your portfolio uh, based that way and you across different states, so not not having all your properties in the one state, so that you're off different market cycles, you can play one state against uh, against the other in terms of um, you know how you finance and what you do with your pro- with your properties. And at the end of the day, at some point in time, you've got to stop buying and start paying those loans down, whether it is through the various exit strategies, which we'll discuss in the later uh, podcasts, or whether it is actually letting time do its magic. Uh, and over a period of time, you'll find that you know your loans are insignificant in terms of the value of the property. And equally importantly, if bought in the right areas where you know, you've got good infrastructure and population growth, your rents continue climbing, which which then helps with the cash flow. So, so anecdotally, when you look at say your your client base, would you say you've instilled that principle of responsibility into to all of them, like you have done with me, where they know that you're a trusted advisor working for them, mm-hmm. but it's incumbent on them to be responsible for their own position. Do, That's right. Do, yes. Would you say that that is a fundamental? It is, it is, yeah, absolutely it is. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, tend to uh, abdicate that responsibility. And, and um, uh, you see that often with the current affair factor of, of you know, I took advice and, and uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't um, didn't pan out the way it was planned. That's life. If you haven't addressed the fundamentals, which is the affordability and, and you know, building for a storm, but enjoying the sunshine, uh, as they say, uh, so that you are able to weather all these storms that come through. And, and, and this is this is a small storm in, in, a, in a 
heavily leveraged in a tikka. That's right. In a heavily leveraged portfolio, right? So uh, it comes back to uh, in the beginning, uh, you know, when you're talking about your portfolio, the LVR position overall is is um, around the seventy percent mark, which gives you that option to change things around in terms of finance and so forth. And part of our process with our clients uh, is um, uh, we do a regular review with uh, their portfolio so that we are planning for these um, uh, glitches in terms of cash flow. We are also actively stopping our clients from buying if we feel that they're going way too fast. Now, some of them don't listen and they go on and buy for their properties, but we, we try not to facilitate that because at the end of the day, if you're buying too rapidly and, and you're not taking into account the negative cash flow that you're going to accumulate, whether it is negative cash flow in terms of differential between rent and mortgage repayments or whether it is negative cash flow because of um, you know loss of tenants or repairs and so forth, they all need to be catered for uh, and, and still have money left over so that uh, we can then live to fight another day. So so you guys, you're not mortgage lenders per se, but you work very closely with your clients to ensure that their ability to service their loans puts them in a, a comfortable situation mm-hmm. to help them grow and build their portfolio. So what APRA is saying is that um, um, serviceability requirements and, and lenders are doing it right now. If they're looking at, if money's 4%, but they look at your ability to rate, repay debt at say 7% on a principal and it's just only basis. That's a good thing. Would you say that's a good buffer? Absolutely. So, so yep. irrespective of what, even if you don't use an ADI and they're, mm. they're not affected by these changes or, or these recommendations from APRA, would you say as a guiding principle, you should be looking at your, your ability to hold your portfolio at that level? Correct. Okay. Absolutely. All the time. Yeah. And, but yeah. I don't think it's the the problem that you know, we as advisors or even as an investors and speaking to other investors have is that it's not so much the mortgage debt that is the problem. It's the auxiliary debt surrounding it, such as the car loans or leases and the credit cards and what have you, because let's not forget, they're at huge rates, huge. And just quietly, and as a side note, if the banks really wanted to be responsible. Cut well, down they, the credit cards. Yeah. Well, it's credit cards still 21%. Yeah. It's, just a, it's a joke. Compounding. Like People daily holding 20 grand like debt on a credit card at 21%. It's That's just, crazy. It's just ridiculous. That's a mortgage. You can pay a mortgage off for that. Yeah, I know, right? So yeah. like, have a look at that, banks. But it, um, I, th- I think at the end of the day, people really need to take responsibility for their own scenario and situation. You know, advisors like ourselves can provide all the tools, but we can't go to the point of you know, having AVOs out on us for yeah. you know, <laughs> saying, have you done this? Have you done that? Have you done this? But so there's got to be that, that self-responsibility. All our listeners right now to, to, to this podcast, everyone should just do a quick reality check, I mm, think, on, on where they are. So where would you start with that? Just would you look at that serviceability ability? So what would I need to be paying as of right now for my portfolio if rates went up to 7%? Well, I, I guess the first question you've got to ask if you're an investor is, do you know your numbers right now yeah, with your cash portfolio? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, take the tax benefits away. What is it really costing you to hold your portfolio right now? Yep. In cash terms. In cash terms. Yeah, yep. pre-tax. Yeah, pre-tax, pre-tax dollars. And just, so just to, to answer that question in terms of if rates got to 7% and coming back to what I said earlier and about being either a passive investor or not, there is no excuse for you to let your rates get to 7% in today's market. You know, you can quickly fix loans at 5% for the next five years. So, yeah, you know, being involved in your in your own portfolio it would not get to that stage in five years time you might come off and they might be seven percent that's that's the future that no at one at least knows. you've got five years to plan for you it. Got, yeah and five years three years two year fixed terms gives you multiple opportunities and massive amounts of time to rectify life for whatever's gone wrong in that cash flow scenario so if you have a, a good performing portfolio that you've bought well so you've bought property 
that hopefully you've uh, you've got an equity gain on the way in or you've manufactured some equity. In terms of being a responsible investor, you should always be thinking the what-if scenarios. If I had to get out of this today, yeah. if the sky fell in and uh, I had to liquidate and fix my financial position, what would be my net result if I was to liquidate one property, mm-hmm. two property, or my whole portfolio, and would that get me out of trouble? And I think about this all the time. Yeah, What is the absolute worst case scenario and if everything went to shit, would I be okay? Yes, no worries, that's okay. So that's part of being a responsible investor I think as it well. is, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm exactly the same. I run three budgets, whether it be on my portfolio, my life, or you know, the business, whatever it may be. You know, the, the, the top-end budget, which is not airy-fairy, but it, let's talk about a portfolio here, but it's you know, where it is. Um, that's the top-line budget. I run a middle budget, whereas if I have a bit of vacancy, then I have this absolute flatbed budget worst case scenario can't get a tenant rates go up to 10 percent. what do i need to do to survive so that gives me that sleep at night factor yeah because if i've got that covered in all scenarios then can't go wrong. then bring it on because yep. it'll give me opportunities elsewhere so that what would you need to do in that situation would be you would need to offload a couple of assets and probably fix your cash position so you could maintain or hold the, the rest of the portfolio Correct. It wouldn't it wouldn't get to that stage because yeah you're in, i'm involved in my portfolio every day and if i'm not yeah someone else in the office is Vic, yeah. as we talked about before it's um it's about having the buffers in place and cash is king we've said it all the time you know for the last couple of years everyone's saying equity 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 we said no 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 cash is king have it somewhere whether it's an offset redraw whatever it may be but you need to be have the money before you need it always yeah and do you think investors are getting that slowly but surely no they're going to be forced to do it because of uh the banks will make i think for a lot of investors sorry no for some investors i think it's too late for that They've utilised every little bit of equity, cash, whatever it may be that they have. And yeah, if they keep their jobs, they might survive. But there'll be a portion of people that will unfortunately suffer and they'll probably suffer hardly, hard. Um, but I think, and I'm hoping the majority of investors with the amount of education that is out there and there is some really good ed- education that's out there that you don't have to pay for, that you know, perhaps they've got themselves in a really, really good position where they can now perpetuate their portfolio because others can't. So if you feel overexposed right right now, so if, if people are listening to this going, yeah, it sort of sounds a bit like me. You know, if I, if I just get one thing falls over, I'm going to be in trouble, Victor. If you are sort of feeling a little bit overexposed, what should you do? First thing is to uh, you know do a reality check. So look at all of your mortgages, uh, talk to a broker, see whether that can be fine-tuned. Uh, and uh, you know, protect it against any rate imminent rate rises because they will go up. Yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. That's for right. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and the other thing that you need to relook at all of your rents whether you've put them up. Uh, so try and fix it that way. And if you really want to take a drastic me- measure, I mean, after speaking with the accountant, um, uh, you know, see whether you need to offload uh, a property or two so that you can live to fight another day. You know, there's no sense trying to hang on to something that you you just pretty much. You know, waiting for the inevitable, uh, and then losing losing the lot at the worst time possible. You might as well just, you know, uh, rationalize your portfolio now, uh, so that you can then capitalize uh, and rebuild later down the track. So it's okay to, if you don't have a massive advantage, to retreat now and mm-hmm. live a fight another day. Absolutely. When you're fitter, stronger. Yeah. Regroup. Regroup. Move forward. And learned. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, in terms of uh, you know your earlier comments, Steve, with um, you know buying properties, properties need to be bought with uh, taking into mind uh, your own financial fingerprint in in the sense that you know it needs to match what's happening in your life right now your income uh, how much negative cash flow you can afford whether you can afford you know a, a prolonged period of vacancy or repairs or anything like that so they need to be taken into account so someone buying as an example in sydney 
and, and you're trying to emulate that person, that might not be the right property for you because you can't afford the negative cash flow that uh, I mean, most Sydney properties bring to the table right now. Uh, so you're better off perhaps buying in another area, which you know maybe uh, Queensland could be could be any of the other states, where the property market is still going up, and the yields are significantly better. Uh, and your deposits, especially considering that most lending will go down to 80%, uh, there's less deposits required. That's good. Okay, really enjoy the chat. Uh, I think it's, um, you know, what, what I would take out of it um, is it comes back to being responsible for your own portfolio. Don't outsource responsibility. Be aware of your situation all the time. Be proactive. And if you need more information around um, these APRA recommendations, um, I highly suggest you speak to your broker. Um, they should know, and if they don't know, find a new broker. Um, it's a bit harsh, but <laughs> <laughs> it's fair enough, I think. Uh, it, or it, go speak to your bank directly, but um, go to the APRA website yourself, just Google it, look at the most recent sort of press releases and stuff, and you'll you'll see um, see this open letter in particular, which was dated 31st of March. It'll just give you a bit of an insight onto uh, into some of the parameters that the banks are having to operate within, and uh, you know, it's just really working out how that's going to influence the way in which that you can either maintain your portfolio uh, or continue to invest in you know there's opportunities in every market isn't there Steve always there's always opportunities and the more in tune you are with your personal situation the more in tune you are with the market the more in tune you are with your ability to borrow the the better you can capitalize on those things so um and quite just one final comment everyone be aware though as as finance is tightening up and that perhaps your pre-approvals are running out that you shouldn't get FOMO and just jump in and use it just for the sake of using the it. The asset still needs to stack up Absolutely. in terms of, yeah. So don't 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 forget the fundamentals of why you're investing in property. You know, exactly. You obviously want to buy something that's going to go up in value as quickly as possible yep. and it's as cheap as possible to hold. Absolutely. That's pretty the much the basic the fundamentals, isn't it? Yeah. It's good. Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed it. Um, For our listeners, um, if you've just found this podcast, uh, look, thanks for, thanks for tuning in. But um, uh, there's a whole bunch of other episodes that we've recorded, um, in-depth episodes talking about a lot of the um, the issues uh, in investing in property and the opportunities. Uh, most recent one was around uh, negotiating property, which was really good. Um, really drawing on these guys' experience, uh, investing. Uh, sorry, negotiating on you know hundreds and hundreds of properties every single month. Uh, we speak about also other episodes. Um, uh, why a balanced portfolio is an important factor. Units versus houses. Uh, goal setting. Uh, we bust a lot of property myths and um, we also look at a lot of things that successful property investors don't do. Uh, so go back, look at the other episodes, uh, listen to them. If you've got any questions on this episode or any of the other podcasts that we've recorded, email questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. You can also check the guys out at the same place, rightpropertygroup.com.au. Um, you're on all the, the social stuff, just search Right Property Group. Any questions, th- these guys will be happy to chat with you. Uh, just drop them an email and um, and, and try and see up a time to, to get them on the phone. But uh, they'll be happy to help out if you just need information. Uh, it's the best way to go about it. And that's probably the most fundamental thing that all uh, responsible investors have. And it's a passion for education. It's a passion for better knowledge of the marketplaces so they can make more informed decisions. So I hope everyone listening to this uh, podcast is a responsible investor. And if you're not, uh, start thinking about how you can be better at it because um, uh, the world is changing and uh, change has a lot of opportunities in it. If it's going to get tighter to borrow money, that's okay. It's going to take some people out of the marketplace. But for smart, savvy, uh, educated investors, uh, uh, there's a lot of opportunities out there. So go and get them. So um, thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks. Uh, thank you. Chat. Thank you. We really enjoyed it. Uh, and we'll see you back again. Uh, next month on uh, Investing Insights with Rob Property Group. Thank you. Bye.